We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Alex Gibson, alongside the nasty boy, Sean Nash, and the prodigal son of Plymouth, Michigan, Chris Scott Moore. What's going on, boys? There you go. There we are. There we are. I actually Googled the word prodigal, and it didn't make sense for the uh, context at all, but I'm going with it still. Yeah. Shane McMahon was the prodigal son. You know, Chris is right up on there with the... I've never left Plymouth. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate everyone continuing to listen and subscribe. Actually, last week, uh, going in, well, through WrestleMania week, we did our highest number of listens in a week. We eclipsed over 300. So thank you, everybody who has been listening, passing it along to friends. Uh, if you're a new subscriber, we welcome you and hope that you continue to share with, with other friends. If you'd like to consider supporting the podcast in other ways, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And like I said, share it with other fellow wrestling fans. Uh, visit us at wrestlingelitist.com. This week, we've already posted two new articles, uh, the first of which being my five-star review of FTR versus the Young Bucks Part 2. Uh, and then my personal favorite article that's gone up since we've started the website, uh, Chris did a retrospective and uh, kind of photo journal of the WrestleMania week that was minus the WrestleMania shows. So all the indie shows we did, the other uh, podcasts that we went and saw, uh, the terrible alcohol that we uh, tried and, and much more. So please go ahead and check that out. Uh, but Sean, before we get started, can you go ahead and let everyone know what we're going to be doing tonight? Yeah. Just like every week we give you our thoughts and, um, favorite matches, moments, news items, the cringeworthy item of the week, and then leave you off with what we're looking forward to in the next couple of weeks. Perfect. And, uh, we'll jump right into it, but before we do, cause I think there was an interesting dilemma i had when i was considering my match of the week this week so i want to know what your guys's thoughts are here and i'll start with you chris uh when you're looking at the match of the week do you go with the one that entertains you the most or the one that you think is the highest rating for you yeah highest rating the one that's most aesthetically pleasing what about you, gotta, you Sean? you gotta entertain me that's gonna be my favorite match it's whatever entertains me the most and it showed this week I'll stake no sizzle, baby. Well, we'll uh, get into it a little bit here, but Chris, let's uh, let's start with you and and what your match of the week was. Yeah, so my match of the week was FTR versus the Young Bucks too. Uh, I gave that five stars as well. Uh, this was the first genuine match where FTR were full on baby faces. Um, they were a little bit tweeners last week versus the Gun Club, but this match was uh, a change of pace in terms of their personas and ring. Uh, Cash was playing Ricky Morton and Dax was doing the hot tag on the outside. I love the fact that the Young Bucks gave them so much in this match. One of the criticisms of the Young Bucks is that they kick out of everything. Nick Jackson in particular looks to be like a messiah and just nothing can beat him. They let FTR kick out of almost all of their shit. And I'll give Young Bucks credit. They know when to lose and they know when to put someone over at precisely the perfect time. And this was that moment for FTR to really have that momentum. Uh, They just came off a five-star match only a couple days ago against the Briscoes. And they have this another match and the crowd is so firmly behind them. Uh, It was great to see the crowd really just love them. And this was the time for them to go over and have another big win. A lot of tremendous false finishes here. Uh, there was just the initial false finish with the three count and the ref uh, checking and seeing that his foot was on the ropes. And then they went into the big finish from there. Uh, the Meltzer driver 
uh, reversed into those uh, springboards and tombstones that got reversed. And then the FTR trigger, they did the kiss to them, uh, which was so satisfying to see. And then they took them home with the big rig. Um, everything in this match was super crisp and well executed and the crowd was so firmly into it. And it's cool to see the crowd firmly behind them. When we saw them at Beach Blast in Cleveland, even though they were heels, I thought the response was a little bit quiet. And I was like, what the fuck's wrong with these fans? It's the best tag team in the world. And now they had another outing where they really cemented it and proved it. But, uh, and I'll let you guys have your say too, but it's funny how fast, uh, the wrestling world moves like this was not the big story by the end of the week that they had another five-star match and went into Wheeler Utah. So it's funny how quickly uh, kind of the limelight almost faded on them, but this is going to be one of those match of the years that you'll look at uh, for years to come. And it's a bona fide five-star classic and one of the better tag team matches of all time. Definitely a great match. Um, perfect way to end off Wednesday night, coming back from a long WrestleMania weekend. But um, I kind of wondered, and I wanted to ask you guys, um, the pinfall reversal for the Young Bucks victory, and then going straight into a FTR finisher mode, just hits the, the what do they call it, the F- BTE trigger, and all that. Does that, that kind of take you out at all? Immediately, just immediately, they took the, uh, the hot spot and won nearly immediately after that. No, I was still into it, and I um, I don't know. I didn't lose momentum at all. I just thought it was another crescendo. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really have an issue with it. I I can see where it could have taken taken a little of the air out of it, but I think that because of the angle that we had as the fans and immediately saw the you know the leg on the rope and everything like that, to me it it was instant. Like you knew what was going to happen. There wasn't any weird. Um, do you remember, I can't, can't remember who it was. I want to say it might've been like an Austin Aries match or something like that in WWE a few years ago where his arm was just literally under the rope. He didn't grab it, but his arm was just like left under it. And they called, they ended up calling that back, uh, because they said that technically, you know, he was out of the ring or whatever. So the pin didn't count that one, maybe a little bit more, but I think it was so clear what was happening, at least as a TV viewer that it didn't take anything out for me. I would have been taken out of it if it was FTR that got the phony win at first and then Young Bucks came back as yeah. the win. That if it would was have been a little bit like, oh, title on. change. Because then it's trying to keep heat. Um, this was all about the Young Bucks giving FTR so much in this match. Um, so I thought it would just added to the storyline that way. Yeah. And um, just to touch on a couple of things and talked about it much in, in my uh, article about it, but. Uh, you kind of just touched on something that I didn't mention. And I feel like in that match, the near falls were always FTR almost taking the fall. There wasn't really any near falls with uh, um, the Young Bucks, which is kind of a cool little twist as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of pretty much once they got pinned, it was, I mean, there was some other pins, but there just wasn't that same like trading back and forth 2.999 kickouts, right? Um, but I loved seeing Dax be the guy that got the hot tag incredible to see him be the one who gets super kicked while he's on the apron waiting for the hot tag because how many times did we see back in the day uh where you know they sneak around and and, and cheat and get that move so it's oh, kind yeah. of cool to see the reverse of that um this match was really good and it was a five-star match for me but it it didn't match up to like i if i look up if i look at that match versus the briscoes match the briscoes was like a five plus almost you know i refuse to do the whole 5.25 or six stars but yeah, I, I still that. like I still think that that is like it, it almost hurts that those matches were so close together. 
Does some of that come because we were live there though to you at all? Like it's so much different being there live to sitting on your couch. That, That may have been partially it, but also I think like just the heat was so much different for, for the buildup of that Briscoe's we've been for sure we've been guessing that the Briscoe's were going to show up since December, essentially right on AEW yeah. until we found out that Warner media was like, uh, we don't support chicken farming. So, <laughs> you know, no so, you know it, it's a little bit different there, but Chris, you had a, you had a disgusted look on your face. So I want to hear what you had to say about, uh, about my, my comment about it maybe being too close between those two matches. It looked like you were a little, uh, Oh no, my face just naturally looks like shit. Uh, <laughs> it's a six out of ten. Lady. Sorry. Um, no, I, I. Uh, well, first I was going to say I loved how long Cash was isolated. I thought that was a great yeah. storyline device too. Again, Nick Jackson was always kicking out of shit. So to have Cash be the one that's just taking and taking, taking, and it made you feel like okay, he's been isolated for too long. Now it's going to happen where they're going to go down. I actually like this more than the Briscoe's match. Briscoe's match had more realty to it. And there was a sense of like, oh, it's a shoot. And these guys fucking hate each other. And it had that cool sense to it. And they were hitting each other really stiff shots. But I like the momentum that FTR was carrying into this match that they were not mm-hmm. carrying into the Briscoe's match. So for me, it um, heightened it up a little bit. And it, and it made it feel like, okay, this is their moment. And if they can win here, this is going to get them to an upper echelon and the history in the annals of tag team wrestling, which it did. And I think this is like the best run we've ever seen a tag team beyond is this, I don't know, year or so that uh, FTR has been on. And just these couple days have been so high for them. So I'm interested to know where you guys think this is going to go next. Like who's the next contender? A thing I didn't see, or I'm sorry, the next team that they'll wrestle. Thing I didn't notice before this match is that they're ranked number one now. So it's like that would mean they would get uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Express. Express at Battle of the Belts. But this week or Wednesday, it's Red Dragon versus Jurassic Express for the titles. So who knows there? Can you have Red Dragon lose their first uh, title chance? Maybe second? No. I don't know. Everything's been moving so quickly. Yeah. Wouldn't be a bad idea. I'd be fine with it. The belt collectors of the tag teams. I'd be down with it. It'll be interesting to see, yeah, where it goes from here because how do they continue to build matches that have the same level of heat that, that, I mean, the Briscoe's one was just nuclear, right? But even the the Bucks was still pretty strong and even if it's for the titles, I don't think Jurassic Express is nearly as exciting of a matchup. But if there's any team that can take a match that I'm like, eh, about, and then turn it into something amazing, it's FTR. I That's hope they wrestle like Bear Country or something, just so it's a team that doesn't get like, oh, you guys were the ones that, that fucked up the five-star streak. Like That's like Jurassic Express. I'm going to feel bad for them if they don't have this all-time classic match yeah, and they're going to get totally. the for it. So have, you know bear country or have i don't um, know the, chaos project the gun brothers <laughs> the butt boys whatever the hell they're called yeah chaos project have one of those goofs uh go down to ftr just to make sure that someone who's known as a good worker isn't getting shit on in the annals of pretentious wrestling fans like us man those annals are really getting thrown out today yeah that's a yeah. weird word that i the, keep going back to i'll stop what are the week annals annals <laughs> i'm the well, annal queen of the show okay <laughs> <laughs> well uh that was that was definitely to me the the match of the week in terms of you know star quality but uh sean and i were in a little bit of uh 
disagreement with you in terms of our match of the week from a entertainment perspective. We both had uh, Mox defeating Wheeler Yuta. Sean, I'll let you start. Kind of explain your thought process on that and what you liked about the match. Yeah, it was pretty much very one uh, A one B this week. Um, right off the bat, you start off with one of the few like good pre-match or pre-main event match Mark Henry segments that we get out of him. So that went pretty well. Both are very heated. I loved uh, Moxley just right off the bat being like, "It's not my job to uh, give you my your my respect." Awesome. Just I'm gonna fucking kill you out there, and that's nearly what he did. Um, much of, much of an improvement from their one star squash that we had like in 47 seconds a couple weeks back. Kind of displeased with the fact that Wheeler clearly bladed on the job, and we've kind of Moxley said from the beginning this is the hard way of bleeding. It's not going to be the blading shit, but it added to the match so well. I believe it's been going around quite a bit on the internet that we have to go with the Yuta scale, not the Muda scale anymore with bleeding because he's just been hitting it hard and he's really impressed in the past two weeks that we've seen him in ROH and then now in the match he had with Daniel Bryan nice no I didn't even get you until you stopped there you sold yourself out that's a man that's too that shock on your face too man (laughs) Bryan Daniel I wish we were videotaping this folks all right man oh man mark your calendar I I don't think I have the video saving (laughs) it's okay um just overall great great blood Sean just log off out of frustration Uh, i'm out i'm out of here (laughs) (laughs) uh just great great blood work from yuda um he got that uh a clothesline reversal into almost like an angle slam fantastic work um we i think on the trip we mentioned just how stupid the uh the bake the back rake is and then there he goes throwing it in there um it almost pretty pretty sure he looked like he uh, lost some teeth on those elbow shots before the uh, the final final bout there. Uh, beautiful regal knee into the uh, Death Rider or paradigm shift, whatever they call that. Choke out after he refused to uh, to eat the pin. Perfect way to lose. And yeah. then the scene after the match, just great. Um, rubbing it on his chest there, fantastic. So much blood. It's amazing how you can lose that much blood and continue to go on and on and on and on. But what'd you think, Alex? Truly an incredible amount of blood loss there. There is uh whew, that, that mat had to be heavy to pick up later on because he, he lost, he lost a lot there. Um, and that's what always makes me uncomfortable with, uh, when guys are blading is because sometimes it's, it's that Eddie Guerrero chair shot from JBL, uh, when it's just all of a sudden there's just too much blood and it becomes uncomfortable and t- goes from taking and adding to a story to taking me out because I'm just a little too concerned and freaked out by it all. Um, but still, from a match perspective, it made so much sense for him to be bleeding and for the way that it went. The end after the match when he writes um, you know, the, the initials for Blackpool, co- uh, I almost said comedy club, uh, combat club, um, on his chest and blood that was pretty badass obviously you know earning the true regal handshake after getting slapped in the face a few weeks ago um i think that they made a star um you know last week and and to have been able to do that on a taped show too we've talked about how sometimes it just doesn't feel the same when you're watching something that's not live but they've done a good job of really rampage for the last few months has felt like even though it's taped stuff it's worth seeing if anything it becomes more must see because you see all the people who are there that say make sure you're watching this match because it was great so 
very excited to see where it goes. And um, hopefully that means that he's officially joining the group um, because I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what Wheeler Yuta can do with uh, Brian Danielson and John Moxley good job. Uh, good taking job, him on. That's really good of you. Um, I just have one more question for you guys. <laughs> what do you think is harder for Renee to watch? Just a Moxley match or every match that he's in when he licks his opponent's blood and just gives that possibility of some uh, some hiv? For- yeah, it's probably it's probably not good for her to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, if I were her, I probably would just like assume that he's out. You know, I don't even know. I wouldn't even want to know. I just assume that he's actually not wrestling anymore. Just ask him how it is when he comes back and don't even, <laughs> yeah. don't even look. Or, but also for her, like this is going to be like the third person that he's basically just adopted by beating the shit out of them uh, with um, Shooter, uh, Darby, and now him. So he just, he just collects these toys um, by beating <laughs> the shit out of them. Motley crew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love this match too, though. I gave it four and three quarter stars. I think this was um, what I think probably the best angle so far this year of turning it into him becoming a pillar more or less. I mean, I think this is uh, Wheeler's moment where he's going to be one of the new pillars and becoming a member of the club. I mean, that was one of the best post-match angles ever. The crowd is so firmly behind him, completely earned his spot by getting the shit kicked out of him, but bringing the violence. And it was a great storyline, too, because it was aspirational on both sides. You have Wheeler um, fighting to make something of himself. He wants to leave best friends because he wants to become the best version of himself and the best wrestler and the best performer he can possibly be. And he knows he has to be violent. You know, he has to push himself and he overcomes and uh, takes so much out of Moxley. And he had that great false finish when he jumped off the top rope. He hit the death rider. I, I, I thought that was one of the best false finishes I've ever seen in my wrestling fandom in the annals of my wrestling fandom. That is, of course. Dang. Um, <laughs> and then the the other part of it that I thought was great, too, that kind of gets, I don't know, maybe forgotten, but this is what Danielson pitched to Moxley too. He pitched that this Mm -hmm. is the thing that we get to do together. We get to beat the fuck out of these guys and make them real men and make them real wrestlers. And they did right here and now. So now they have a new stable. The next thing they got to do is change his pants. And then we're on to, you know, we're on to the, yeah. Oh, 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 you don't want to, Oh, you want them to be the same. He needs to to really work. If anything, all three of them should be wearing the same pants. He needs to go to young boy, black pants, just lose the gimmick, everything. And he's got to learn, take his lumps just like new Japan. I don't know. I would no, fucking die a full to see body suit. wearing those pants. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, put him in like a full, even give him a lucha mask with the same design on him. That's what I would say. <laughs> he definitely deserves uh, Sammy's uh, pillar, though. He's really, Sammy's done all he can to lose that thing. So let's give it to Wheeler. Uh, yeah, I'm down Homegrown. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's move on to our moment of the week. Chris, what did you have as your, uh, your favorite? Oh, my favorite moment of the week. It was very simple. It was just Adam, uh, hangman, Adam page pie facing Adam Cole, the way that he did it just, it seems so real. And in the moment, there's a little bit of a movement right now of saying that, Oh, he has to lose a title. Oh, he should drop it at double or nothing to punk. And it seems like there's a weird little anti hangman sentiment going on because his storyline perhaps isn't the most exciting thing on AEW, but that just shows that this is such a talented roster where there's going to be stories that just hit more and have more of a emphasis or just 
land more and they just are richer. And you see it right now with FTR also having more importance than the tag champions of Jurassic Express. The same thing's kind of happening right now with Hangar and the uh, BCC having more of an emphasis. But Hangman's still the fucking champion and he's still the still the guy. He has a four star plus match anytime he has a marquee matchup and he's going to have another one with Adam Cole in just a couple of days. So I love this. I was excited for it and I hope that they get time to just go the whole rampage and just do a full hour long match. That's just a motherfucker. Yeah. And I think that um, it's it is definitely weird right now because the, the title doesn't seem super important at this moment. Um, but also like you mentioned, first of all, that that's a testament for, to what the roster is. And there's always a built-in story with the title, right? So you don't always need it to have some crazy, um, you know, crazy amount of heat, crazy amount of anything. Cause at the end of the day, everybody wants to have the title. So I don't, you know, it's definitely not the most intriguing title run we've seen, but also I think part of the problem is, is that what makes Adam page so great is him being in the chase. There are guys out there that are just, they're so fun to watch. It's fun to watch the chase. And then once they have it, like you almost want them to, like we had talked about back in uh, November when um, Brian Danielson originally became the number one contender. And it's like, well, do you actually have him lose right away? So then he could be back in the chase, which I I do think probably retroactively would have been the wrong choice. But I understand that thought process. And I think that was a mistake. I mean, it was a good mistake. We saw so many great matches from it, but I think that was a harm for his run is because you split the fan base instantaneously and you had people just get set in their mind. I want to see him drop it. I don't want to see him have the title anymore. Um, Even though he's done a fantastic run with it and artistically his matches have been great. It's sort of like a Hogan ultimate warrior thing where you do split the fan base and they go, okay, well, I don't want this guy to have the belt anymore. Um, and, but I do agree. Yeah. Him chasing the title is so much more satisfying than him capturing it. He's almost like Eddie Guerrero in that regard. Like I kind of wanted to see Eddie win it, but when he won it, it was like, okay, well, I don't really give a fuck anymore. We've seen hangman develop from a person. We at a ring of honor, new Japan show thanked the heavens that we didn't actually get to see the match because it was just a, a fuck around brawl to, to, uh, all out just praying that we get that match and then it ended ending up at um full gear just the chase is going to be better for a lot of people because once you once you get there it's the the tribulations that get you there that's the the beauty and that's exactly what it was for the hangman story it's all about the all about the journey not the destination sometimes right let's uh tony robbins it (laughs) Uh, (laughs) motivational uh, Sean, what did you have as your moment of the week? Uh, mine, just kind of a, it wasn't a moments week. It was definitely a, a match heavy week and the moments were kind of just null and void. But Wardlow running through security again, once again, just as his name kind of gets mentioned uh, on the commentary table and you just see him one shot camera just coming down the thing, throws the security dude into the locker, smashes him three times. Feels like a scene out of um, the Netflix Daredevil show where it's just him running through 16 gang members and walking out like a badass to only get stopped as soon as he gets to the ring and nothing happens of it and he just gets turned away. It's just, I can't wait for the, the full payoff of once he actually gets his hands on MJF, but I love seeing him just kind of rip through these local local jabronis. Yeah, the the war dog has been on a war path lately, and uh, I'm I'm, in, I'm enjoying seeing him hurt people. 
Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, Lance Archer when he was in New Japan, just you know, bringing a young boy to the ring with him. And sometimes he does it in New Japan, even or in AEW. But um, you know, just the way that he just manhandles people and is making his way through. I'm excited to see what uh, him and MJF end up doing in the ring because that'll be the real interesting part. Uh, because obviously, uh, two very different styles and uh, two guys that I'm not sure who they give the loss to. So that'll be interesting. Do you have anything, Chris? No, I just think he reminds me so much of Batista. This is such a, in a good way, a rehash of the Batista Triple H feud. And I think um, they can work off that and do something (sighs) different with it. Uh, They'll be in a good spot. I can't wait to see him just laid up in a wheelchair with a track jacket on, no (laughs) t-shirt under, just... Doing the Queen's wave. Giving the, giving the goodbyes. So, telling, everyone, telling everyone goodbye. Uh, well, my moment of the week, and I agree, Sean, I thought that this was a, a fairly weak week in terms of moments, even news and cringe, uh, which I would welcome more and more uh, times where I have a hard time finding a cringe of the week. But um, So my moment was on Rampage. We saw Tony Nese get approached by smart Mark Sterling, yeah. uh, talking about wanting to represent him. And the reason it's my moment of the week is I think that we've we've all talked about how surprised we are with how good Tony Nisa is. Like I, when he was in the WWE, I I don't even know if I watched a match of his outside of the Cruiserweight Classic, unless maybe he was on like a main event taping after a uh, you know a Raw that we went to or before a Raw taping that we went to or something like that. So um, seeing him get approached and and seeing that Mark Sterling's looking to add to his roster, I think. Um, he's a pretty funny character, uh, Sterling is. So I always enjoy his moments. So the more he's involved with the heel, t- uh, you know, kind of people, the better for me, Chris or Sean, sorry. Um, I would just love to see him not maybe create a stable, but like a, um, a portfolio of wrestlers of just clientele. like clientele of the most in shape wrestlers. You have uh, Jade, <laughs> you have him, just how many eight packs can you put into one payroll? I want to see it. Yeah, they get like a discount on his services for every app they have. <laughs> but that'd be a great little kind of grouping that he could uh, foster in. Yeah, and I, I don't think that, you know, this is going to lead to Tony Nese becoming a champion or anything like that. But if it just gives him something a little bit more interesting, um, gets him on TV a little bit more, and gets him a couple of wins here and there against, you know, because I kind of feel like he's become the guy that when somebody debuts, they're like, all right, well, you're going to go up against Tony Nese on uh, Rampage or something like that. Mm-hmm. See him To see him get some some W's and, and get some meaningful storylines, I think, is really all I'm hoping for out of this. Yeah, give him like some credibility to wrestle the the challenger, the up-and-coming challenger, to create some stories, some some tribulations for them. Absolutely. Um, moving on to our news of the week. Chris, uh, you changed your news of the week uh, just before the show to something that Sean and I hadn't heard about. So, breaking news. Breaking uh, the floor news. Is yours. Yeah, breaking news. I have a lot of contacts. I know everyone in the industry now that I passed out my wrestling elitist stickers. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it just there are some things on Twitter about Moxley possibly going to uh, WWE again, and that his deal is going to be up perhaps at some point because uh, he debuted at Double of Not Double or Nothing a few years ago. I think it was a three year deal. So there's rumors and talk about it. I think there's rumors because there's pictures of him at the um, NSYNC concert that doubled as a wedding. So uh, <laughs> you guys didn't see that? Al- Alexa, Alexa Bliss married the fucking guy from Ryan Cabrera. Yeah, yeah, NSYNC was down, there. Baby. Yeah, NSYNC was there. Yeah. 
That's crazy. I was just about to sing a song, but that would have been Backstreet Boys. So I would have been really, that would have been really dumb and stupid. <laughs> it's no, gonna but, be me. Yeah. Maybe. But no, supposedly well, like there's a rumor that he might be going back there or he's thinking of it. But if you read his book, he shits on Kevin Dunn pretty hard. And <laughs> things that he disliked about WWE have gotten tremendously worse. So I, I can't imagine why he'd want to go there. And he's having so much artistic freedom. And we saw him at uh, the New Japan show. And he just seemed to be in his element and was so happy to be promoting wrestling and doing real wrestling. So I have a hard time believing that he would do it. A lot of money is a lot of money. But at the same point, I think he already has a lot of money. And he's talked about it before, I think, even when he first left and did, I think, like Jericho's podcast. Like They offered him like $3 million a year when he left WWE and he was like, I turned it down before I even knew that AEW was really a thing. He's like, I just, I don't, he's like, I, I have a truck, a really nice truck that I paid cash for and I have my house paid off. So I don't need more money really. Um, so he, he, I don't think that he's somebody that'll be swayed by money quite like Cody was. Now I will also say if you would have brought up the Cody stuff back in November and said, you're going to see him re-debut at WrestleMania, I would have thought that that was absolute insanity. So where I where I think that this doesn't have a whole lot of legs, I also understand that things change, people's motivations change. Um, but Mox seems like a pretty straightforward guy, and uh, I, I don't think that he would leave. Uh, you you look at how much he he seemed to enjoy himself at Bloodsport, um, even at the New Japan show when he was just kind of cutting the promo, and and you see how much he loves just going and showing up at kind of random smaller shows and and participating in all of that. He still hasn't had a chance to do like a true G1. Um, I don't see him leaving, but uh, if he does, what a great three years it was because I, I don't think any of us were huge Dean Ambrose fans. I, I respected no, him. I, I thought he was decent, but John Moxley is a, to me, like a legend at this point. Yeah, yeah. I was on the Seth Rollins bought in spectrum of that. Um, but just like you said, he tore Kevin Dunn to shreds in his book. He also praised uh, William Regal. So I imagine he's not going to want to step away from doing any bit of work with him. So hopefully just rumors and stays there. And Yeah. And I, and I saw Tony Khan and I can't remember where the article was, but he was addressing the Cody stuff. And he was like, you know, this is the reality of it. Like people are going to leave AEW for WWE. But I think the next few people we see leave are more likely to be people who haven't been in the WWE, uh, you know, in their talent pool in the past or were, but never made it past NXT. I don't think, I don't think it'll be Mox as the next one. I think yeah. the only other, the other big name that I would a hundred percent expect to see would be Jericho. He's going to go, they're going to dangle that whole oh, thing sure. in front of him yeah, one definitely. year. And, definitely. And he will a hundred percent go. But I, I think Mox, I think Mox will stick around for a while. I think uh, Danielson will probably end up going back eventually too, because he's one of the few guys that wasn't bitter when he left. Um, but I don't even know if like Christian will go back at this point. With the blue dot, he may. <laughs> he, he may. Um, Sean, what about you? What was your news of the week? Um, onto some good, good things. Uh, we have a 7 p.m. rampage this week. Uh, always God. love when we don't have to stay up till. 11 p.m. to watch some good wrestling. Uh, thank God for the stupid NBA play-in rule, whatever they're doing tournament now. Um, Lakers aren't even in it, so good to even see LeBron James not in the playoffs. But just hard week for news, but this was a nice little bright spot. So set your DVRs, make sure they're right. 
7 p.m. and it's a live one. Yeah, I believe even right. better. That's great. So, what's what's weird oh. is Rampage is live at 7 p.m. and then Saturday is uh, Battle of the Belts, and that's going to be taped, which I find a little bit odd. But they're going to be at the Curtis Caldwell Center where we just were, right? Yes. Yep. Nice. Keep our seats warm. The house, the house that the Briscoes built. Yeah. Uh, and Hopefully then, you guys uh, my... tip there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tip. Before you can walk up, just like paper airplane, throw a two with your name on it. <laughs> Bring cash. Uh, my news of the week was uh, that New Japan Pro Wrestling has officially resumed getting visas for foreign talent. So we're going to finally get to start seeing uh, guys going back over to Japan a little bit more often, hopefully. Um, I think that that's probably why we didn't see like some of the typical people we would have expected to at WrestleMania week, somebody like the Jeff Cobbs, um, even Osprey potentially, and some others. They're probably trying to keep, you know, anybody who's in Japan that that isn't a, a citizen. Probably they're just like, hey, let's have you stay here, so we're not worried about you trying to come back later. Um, so I'm hopeful that we'll get to see some more people traveling over there and, and get some fresher matchups. I think that I've really fallen out of new Japan personally over the last you know, basically since COVID hit. So um looking forward to seeing what that can potentially do. Yeah. I'm just excited for the G one to see if they can get a better talent pool for that. G one's probably maybe our favorite uh, besides the rumble historically event that we can all agree to just love and follow intently. And we haven't been able to do it for the last couple of years because the matchups have been, so repetitive and stale, even though they're great matches that are four star pluses, it's just like, okay, I've seen this so many times. And so hopefully this year we're going to get a fresh crop of matches with some AEW guys going over there. And that will be a lot of fucking fun. And we've got the uh, Windy City riot going on in Chicago this weekend too. So yes, get some New Japan storylines going to the G1. Going to need those visas to get some people over there. So good news. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember probably what, like 2018, 19, when New Japan did, like they kicked off like the first few matches of the G1 in, it was actually in Dallas, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I would love to see them kick off some new, some G1 stuff on Dynamite, like kind of do some sort of a tie in there or even Rampage to hopefully get some more eyes on the G1 because it is such a cool tournament the round robin factor of it getting to see a lot of you know a lot of matchups and you'll see guys win that typically wouldn't beat somebody big but chris did you have something on that? yeah and speaking of news god i can't believe we forgot this but like new japan world is airing dynamite and rampage oh yeah yes so totally forgot about that so like yeah that would make sense actually for them to do some semblance of maybe you air that on dynamite or rampage that would make complete sense it would be a great tie-in it would be a very smart move um Especially with distance between that and the Owen tournament, where it's not going to be like, okay, we just did a tournament. There's going to be uh, audience fatigue for that. So that'll make sense. And I hope they do that. That would be really cool to see. And who knows? Maybe they'll do that in Detroit. You yeah. Yeah. Let's I mean, kick it off there. You know, uh, and Shingo, I know, was doing the, uh, he did this last week's um, commentating for the the first time that Dynamite was on uh new japan world and i saw some uh i saw some translations of him just basically marking out about how much he loves aew and how he's like how much he's like this is western wrestling this is amazing so oh, uh God. hopefully that yeah, moment that here. See. <laughs> boy oh boy i'd love to see that <laughs> yeah can, i mean can we commit now if he's going to be in detroit we're all going with a mullet 
in it for sure. I think I'm closer to the bullet than you guys are, so yeah. it'll be more. Maybe I've got to start growing it out now. I'm yeah. I'll get something attached here. Little rat tail. I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, all right. Let's. Speaking of things that we love, let's go to the opposite side of that spectrum. Things we hate in the cringe of the week. Chris, what did you have? Yeah, my cringe of the week was the Hardy Boys uh, tables match. A lot of confusing rules on that and like how you're supposed to win and the offensively and defensively table spots and just some of it sloppy and then uh, you know it's good that they're back and i'm it hopefully that makes them happier as human beings but i just don't need to see jeff hardy go through a jump off a 20-foot ladder through tables again after every week did that the week before or two weeks before um i just don't know what he would do to top himself and that also kind of freaks me out of like okay what would happen at a pay-per-view uh i think we've talked about that before though but god almighty if they get to just run freely like him and darby would do like let's stab each other to death match or something or let's (laughs) let's guzzle gasoline and uh shoot fireballs at each other like i just don't know what the fuck they would do and uh I mean, I want to see Jeff Hardy go out in a nice way, but at the same point, you just don't want to see an old man get crippled. Yeah, it's becoming, it, we can't see this every week. It's going to get, it's already sad. It's going to get even worse. Um, and then just in the whole match, you have a clusterfuck of rules of uh, elimination table spots, but then the person eliminated comes and wins the match for their team. Why'd you leave in the first place then? Just this might just lead to bad booking or whoever's letting the Hardys kind of run their own table matches. It's not good. Not good. It is. It, that match was WWE levels of overthinking, just incredible amounts of just making things more convoluted than they needed to be. Man, I'm, I am hoping that this Hardys thing is like, I, I hope that they have like a pact of like, we're only doing this for one year and then we're, we're done. Cause yeah. uh I, I do not need to keep seeing them. And um, I, I, I do think that there's a couple of matchups that, uh, yeah, as much as I don't want to see a uh, an ambulance match between Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen, because they will take that literally. Um, I do think that, you know, those two, you could see a lot of style. You know, they're very similar in their style. So it's a matchup I kind of want to see at one point. But um, I really hope that that Tony has a strict leash on what they're allowed to do with that, because those two would be just absolute animals. Um, Sean, what was your cringe of the week? We saw some uh, some news come out about Nash Carter of what, MSK or whatever they were called in NXT. Now he's released. Uh, his wife, uh, fiance, posted some some allegations on him of being very abusive at home, holding anti-LGBTQ views, a photo of him in Nazi uniform with the Hitler mustache given the salute awful to see that and that seems to be what the release was stemmed from not quite the allegations it's awful awful to hear just these relationship woes of these wrestlers and you kind of feel for it because you live a a very life that's like thrown out in the world that everyone's going to see and you're just personified or magnified so much more and you, do, you hope it not for anyone and uh, hopefully she can get help. She gets out of the situation if it's all true and he gets help in his bad takes of on life and just becomes a better human. 
Yeah, I I don't really have too much to add other than um, it's interesting timing just because they had just gotten the titles back um, on the Saturday of Mania. Um, So clearly WWE was was not going to have any, you know, it's a zero tolerance thing. Um, It's always weird to watch these things play out in like the public. And so I I don't really have any, I don't even really know a whole lot of things that are going on with it. I I don't really read Twitter or anything like that. Um, I just saw the news and um, I did see the photo. Not not an ideal photo to have. So, Chris, did you have anything else to add? No, and I think it just goes back to the Brian Kendrick situation where he got um, released and wasn't on AEW that time. And you just hope that he gets uh, mentored and he gets wisdom and he gets help and teaching from someone who can help him out if this is alleged to be true. Uh, and that he's not totally shunned and he gets to get rehabbed in some way, um, as opposed to just becoming even more strident and even more of uh, um, the disturbed person. I read an article today about Todd Horn, the former um, Penn State Nittany Lion and just someone who like committed all these horrible crimes. It's on ESPN.com. It's a fascinating read, but it just goes to show like what can happen to someone. And I'm I'm not making a comparison between the two, but it can just show what happens to someone if they don't get help and there's no infrastructure to get them treatment, um, the kind of damage certain personalities can live. So um, again, not comparison or not comparing the the two directly, but nevertheless, hoping that there's um, treatment and uh, an opportunity for him to, work on himself and actually get healed. Absolutely. Um, and then kind of into my cringe, um, which I wrote this last night and then, uh, there's actually a little bit of an apology from GCW today, but I'll still kind of go into it. So bandito no showed, uh, an event yesterday in San Francisco. It was a GCW show and, um, Brett Lauderdale, the, um, owner of GCW, he tweeted out basically, uh, we've been told that Bandito did not make his flight. Nobody can get a hold of him. And there's $900 down the drain, essentially, which understand the frustration. I get it. Um, but it's weird to have the context in there of we haven't been able to get a hold of him and no nobody that he like is friends with it can get a hold of him either. And then still be just complaining about the $900 flight that you lost. And that's kind of where I, I put my cringe there was just because like, hey, let's just make sure that he's okay first and then you can complain. Um, and even then still, I think that that should be probably something that's done offline. I think that people just bring too much of that stuff uh, into the public forum. I get that GCW doesn't want to look like they're um, that's booking it, yeah. people that are unreliable and all of those things. But I don't know. It just felt kind of trashy a little bit. Um, we have gotten the update today, though, that bandito was he is in fact okay um i believe it's actually he's got a visa issue so his visa just expired and roh was previously sponsoring it he's no longer an roh employee so that is not happening um bandito apologized brett lauderdale came out and apologized it kind of is what it is it's just one of those moments of like eh, this doesn't look good for anybody when you do it this way yeah, it's that like dehumanizing of a person at a tragic moment where you don't know what could have happened there. We just had a tragic event happen with a, a sports figure and same thing exactly exactly happened to him. It was the jump to the negative before acknowledging the human in it all. But uh, it got me, wor- I mean, I even jumped the gun and got me worried. I've got a ticket to a GCW show at Harpo's coming up and I don't want to see someone no show or if there's an issue. And apparently there was a big travel day issues there, so... Hopefully it remained at that and 
we can uh, learn to take a step back and check on people before we go to criticize them. Yep. I, I just think that uh, it was a weird, weird, it was weird, like I said, to like mention that nobody had heard from him and then also be upset about that. But uh, hopefully it all gets straightened out and we get to continue seeing Bandito in GCW matches because uh, one of these times when they come to Detroit, I'm hoping to actually go to the show and love seeing Bandito. Uh, so let's, let's get away from the negative and, and into the positive. Uh, that's what Chris and I are masters of doing as uh, recruiters. You know, you spin negatives into positives, and that's what we're doing here. Anticipation, Chris. What do you think about selling optimism? That's our line of business. Um, I'm very <laughs> excited the fact that like we get to do a show about a week that had two of the best matches of the year, um, just one after another, and we get to talk about the positives of wrestling and just how great the matches are. Um, as opposed to going, oh, I hate what the booking is, or oh, I don't like what they're doing, or oh, they're fucking up Hangman, or oh, Cody this or that. It's such a breath of fresh air that we get to talk about wrestling in a positive way, and there's so much shit to look forward to. I was looking forward to to taking a fucking break from wrestling for a little bit, just because we've had so much of it. Um, not that it's bad, but just like we had the whole week, and then we come back, and then there's these two great matches that were amazing. Also forgotten in there. Christian and Adam Cole had a very good match. Brian Danielson and Trent had a four-star match. Like that shit got buried. Those were great matches too that otherwise would have been a highlight of the show as well. Um, so this week we have a huge-ass Dynamite, huge-ass Rampage, Battle of the Belts. Sean, like you mentioned, there's the uh, New Japan Chicago show. So there's so much shit going on. And on top of it, the USFL kicks off. The Michigan Panthers, baby. They're going to run the pack or run wild on you i don't know we'll see but uh so there's just a lot of uh, huge shit going on i'm really excited to see what gets put on battle of the belts um i would hope that show would be more of a big deal i mean that's not a cringe per se but i just don't understand why that's not getting promoted more um if that's truly going to be a clash of the uh champions like special it certainly didn't feel like it the last time so i think you'd want to make more of that but we'll see what gets on there. And hopefully FTR gets a shot at the titles. Yeah. I, I was just going to say on the last battle of the belts, it was, I was so excited for it. like a Saturday night TV, you know, TV live special essentially. Um, and it really kind of felt flat. So I, I am hoping that this one is a little bit better, but once again, it's, it's a situation where they're, they're not really seemingly building to it. And maybe it's because a lot of times I watch with, the volume down because I'm doing other things and just catching the matches and maybe they're maybe they've been selling it better than I've been listening, but no. I kind of forgot that it was coming up to be honest. Yeah, I can't think of one match that's set for it or anything. It's the only yeah. match that I know of is Thunder Rosa and Nyla. That'll be on. That's not on Rampage. That's on Battle of the Belts. Okay, and I'm, I'm guessing that Jade and the Problem wrestle. Because oh, they've been yeah. kind of hyping, which I would fucking love. I think that's going to be a That'll be good. glorious train wreck. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's even going to be on it. So, yeah. And uh, just speaking of Marina Shafir for a second, uh, in the uh, the right, the post Mania Week write up that you did, the photo of her uh, that you put in there, I there is not a person that has a more intense face when they are in the ring. Absolutely. She is. It's the same thing that Ronda did in the UFC, but I feel like Ronda hasn't been able to carry that same intensity no. when she's in WWE and Marina does. She just looks like she's like somebody needs to go whisper in her ear like, hey, 
remember this is fake. Like she is just her, the intensity is, is palpable. It's so funny you mentioned that because I, I listened to the show last week and we didn't mention that. And that was something that I would not shut the fuck up about. Like, look how real it looks. Like, she's so intense and she's shooting, man. <laughs> uh, Liquid Oof. Courage does that too, too. And you have a couple of beers. But no, I, she does. She has such a, a genuine that looks like a star to me. And yeah. I, I don't. That's kind of like a Keith Lee where, like, how do you fuck this up? You got to got to do something big maybe she's the one that beats jade that would be a huge moment um maybe a little early to beat jade you want her to have perhaps a goldberg type run but i would have no problem if it's her that does it yeah and you know she's in a a royal uh, wrestling as more than one royal family she's married to roderick strong so hopefully you know she's learned how to do these backbreakers and um and we're gonna get to see some for plus new stuff but sean can you imagine the intensity of Marina Shafir asking you for a tip at a concession stand. That I would just leave my credit card with a social security <laughs> number. Just take it. Uh, Please. Go Two it. hot dogs. That's fine. You can have the other one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sean, what do you have as your anticipation? I'm looking forward to, like Chris said, there's just another week of plenty of good wrestling. Uh, thankfully, we can kind of enjoy it from the seat of our couch. We don't have to go there, stand around, or... We can watch it whenever we want. We can take a little break and watch it the next morning. But Windy City Rides can be fun. We'll hopefully kind of build up the uh, the the want to watch New Japan again, especially after we just went to the the Lone Star show. It'd be good to see. But you have Minoru Suzuki and Samoa Joe going head to head for the TV title. Yep, that's mm-hmm. gonna be fantastic. That's who can choke out the other faster from the rear naked choke. It's gonna be great. Um, Suzuki just had a, a nice little match um, on that GCW show, I believe. Um, shit, I can't remember who it was with. Um, Speedball, wrestler of the week. Yeah. Great old thing. So just love seeing Suzuki in America, just tearing it to shreds and wreaking all hell. Yeah, I had the same um, same anticipation. It's Samoa Joe and Minoru Suzuki. Oh man, I am, I am excited for it. Uh, but it's kind of getting into that, uh, the way that we were feeling about some other, some others in the past where like, I need to see Minoru Suzuki get a win in AEW. Um, I know he's a, he's a new, he's a Japanese wrestling legend and, and a lot of the fans know that, but there are people who are watching AEW that Minoru Suzuki doesn't mean anything to them. And I, I really want to see him get a win. I don't necessarily want to see him get it against Samoa Joe this week. Um, but also, I think it'd be weird for him to lose the ROH title or the television title already. But um, that's kind of my one worry is like, how do they get out of this? Um, I'm actually kind of hoping and guessing that Jay Lethal does something to cost Samoa Joe the match, uh, which will then give Minoru Suzuki a win, even though it wasn't like he was, you know, he's not partnered with Jay necessarily. So that's kind of where I'm leaning towards thinking it's going to go, but that match is going to be hard hitting. And, um, it, what a welcome for Joe in terms of, you know, week two on dynamite getting to face, uh, the murder grandpa. And two tonight, we can't forget you guys just 50 miles, probably or 50 miles, 50 minutes from us is Cody versus the Miz at LCA and just right under our noses. There's a reason ringside seats are like 1500 bucks tonight. Yeah. Top dollar. Big money. Prize fight. 
it's it's so funny though this like chorus of like how dare anyone shit on the Miz? Like that's kind of a thing I've been watching too. Is like he's so great and like he does so much with so little. And it's like yeah, but there's a reason why that uh, jab about MJF that CM Punk had of like you're just the Miz. That's why it stung because the Miz is the Miz. Like fucking relax. Like yeah, Cody doesn't have the best matchups on the Raw side, sure, but this isn't Suzuki and Smojo. Shut the fuck up. Not even close. <laughs> It, that's such a weird argument. The internet wrestling community never fails to make me want to put my head through a wall. Um, but I was actually just watching, speaking of The Miz, uh, old clips of The Boogeyman and uh, watching a match of him with The Boogeyman. I completely forgot how many people The Boogeyman just threw worms into their mouth. Yeah. That's the worst spot that you could ask me to do is put Pinto. worms. In. Are you even asking me Ooh. to hold a worm? Like I... I yeah. can't think of I can't think of too many things that I'd rather do less as a wrestler than that. That I can't or even the hold Rikishi, a lightning bug. That, 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 that sting face or eat a worm. Ooh. That's pink Rikishi eye. Rikishi stink face, yeah. That's pink eye. I'd rather the stink face feels like something that doesn't last as long traumatically. Now, mm. but you got that's like Ooh. the moment you wash your hands though, then you have to like it's going to linger on your hands when you wash your face. Uh, and that's yeah. like, to me, that's going to be, and just to the fact that everyone in the back would be laughing at you. And like, he probably fired yeah. on your face a couple of times too, just for shits and giggles. Oh totally. yeah. If, he, if, he's, if he's shooting on you. Yeah. yeah. And you're like down <laughs> South, some barbecue foods all like running around. You don't want to, yeah. The bad end of a, a long road trip. No, nah. I don't know. I think, yeah. Stink face would be worse than holding a worm. No, no, no. in your mouth. mouth. Oh, in your oh, no, I you just was, you said, you was yeah. no. Just oh, oh, I was just saying. I no, I was saying that I'm I'm such a weak person that I don't even want to hold a worm. So, but I. I'm talking about in terms of like the spot of like he like he was shoving worms like just worms <sighs> in the mouth. Recent inductee to the Hall of Fame, Charmel got it bad. Ugh. Yeah. Mm. Such a weird, that was such a weird character. None of it really made sense, but uh, also entertaining. So I just, I was watching those old clips and watching his uh, 10 scariest moments. And to be honest, I didn't even know he had 10 moments in the WWE. So I like how they uh, were scary. Is it someone, would, <laughs> I think someone would have nightmares from me? He's like, oh, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> he had a moment with former president Donald Trump. He, uh, but uh, that's course, right. And that Trump was weird too. No Trump like no sold it. Yeah. Yeah. Where's my burger? <laughs> McDonald's cheeseburger. Uh, uh, friend of the show, the boogeyman. Uh, but that'll wrap up the uh, the show for the week for us. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to the show and sharing with your friends. Please give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, you're continuing to not listen on Pandora because they do not respond to any of my information requests. But also, please make sure you check out our website, wrestlingelitas.com, for our latest match reviews and articles. Especially check out the uh, most recent stuff about our trip to WrestleMania, both uh, the WWE side and the non-WWE side. And then uh, our, our five-star review of FTR versus the Young Bucks Part 2. Rick Rude, take us home. Hit the music!